God is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. Let's, let's move this monitor. Good. Um, I want to uh, praise the Lord in advance for what we are about to study today. I have, um, I've been struggling lately. I've been struggling. Been struggling lately. Been struggling with how to deal with God. I've been trying to figure him out. And uh, I'm coming short on that. Coming short on that. Now, I, I know I'm not supposed to be trying to figure him out. I'm not supposed to be, but it's just my human nature to always want to know more than I can handle. And so that is really the purpose of this series. It is God is love. What is the name of our series, everybody? God is love. Now, we are in particularly dealing with the second section we dealt with, pre-creation. Now we're in creation. What are we in, everybody? We're in creation. So just so you know what we're doing, we're trying to take a journey through the Bible to see God's interaction with humanity. And what I've discovered is, as I've been wrestling with the scriptures and trying to figure out what God's interaction with humanity is, it's real simple. It just all comes down to three words. God is love. That's it. And so I'll challenge you. Look at your life right now. Think about God's interaction with you and the interaction that you and God have been having with each other since the, as a matter of fact, I was about to say since the day you were born, but the Bible actually says even before you were born, God knew you. And I will tell you this, that the story of your life is not, I love God. story of your life has been, he loves me. Who can testify to that right now? Who's not too arrogant to, to suggest? Don't even let that come out of your mouth. I, 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 you know, I, I was listening to, uh, to, to one of the sermons the other week, and I, and I said something. I laughed at myself. I, I said, how many of y'all been faithful out there? And I said, don't you dare raise your hand. You know, you know we have our moments. How many know you have your moments? Both the good and the bad. So the series that we've been looking at, we looked at two sermons so far. The first sermon I want to... Uh, I remind you of was a sermon entitled Indescribable. And we looked at creation. And one of the things that I told you is that when, when you bring up the whole conversation of creation, by the way, let me just share this with you. Pastor Doggett, do y'all remember Pastor Doggett who was here a few weeks ago? Pastor Doggett shared with me just um, a couple of days ago that he had received an email from the mayor of Houston. Come on. All right, listen, listen to this. And the mayor of Houston has sent out emails and correspondence and has been asking and subpoenaing, subpoenaing the sermons of pastors who have preached against homosexuality. <laughs> the mayor of Houston is a homosexual herself, and we are living in a world now, I want you to understand what I'm saying, we're living in a world right now where freedom of speech, oh, y'all not, y'all, y'all ain't, y'all ain't been, Freedom of speech is being challenged. Look, man, if people worship the devil, go on ahead. That's why there's an America. That's why we left England. That's why we hit Plymouth Rock. Because we wanted freedom of religion without oppression. And so when we talked about creation on that first sermon, one of the things we wanted to clearly lay out to you about this issue of creation is that the problem with creation is this issue of identity that we are having now. It's an issue of identity, and we're going to discover that, and I want to just kind of set it up. Next Sabbath, we're going to talk about male-female relationships as it relates to the Word of God. We're going to touch a little bit on homosexuality, uh, because what I'm trying to describe to you is the reason why we're studying creation, and somebody's like, I already believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Okay, that's fine. 
But most of the issues that we're being confronted with in modern culture, homosexuality, evolutionism, um, just, just, uh, just about anything you can imagine has its issue in the book of Genesis. Genesis is the book of beginnings or the book of origins. What I'm basically trying to teach you over the next several weeks is if you want to figure out how to do life, then you need to look at how life was intended to be. Everything after Genesis chapter 3 is not the way God intended it. If you want to figure out how to do life, you need to look at Genesis 1 and 2, period. So in Indescribable, my main thing was this. One of the reasons why people are so confused about creation is because folks are too busy trying to figure God out. They're, They're asking how he created it instead of why he created it. The key question is why, not how. The key question is what, everybody? Not what? I'm going to try again. The key question is what, everybody? Not what? One more time. The key question is what, everybody? Not what? In other words, let's stop trying to figure out how God did it in six days. I don't care. The question is, is why did he do it? And the reason why we emphasize that is because consider for a minute, if God has foreknowledge, then that means that God is creating a perfect world for human beings that he knows is going to blow it. Right? Nobody does that. If you, had, if you were about to have a child and you knew this child was going to kill you, then you find a way to abort the mission. Come on, say amen. That's it. God created a perfect world and planet with the knowledge that we were going to blow it. So the question is not how, the question is why. Why would a God put himself at risk over us? And the answer is very simple, because God is love. Second sermon we preached on was uh, the backdrop of betrayal, the backdrop of betrayal. And what we discovered is, is that Man, sin, as we're going to look at today, sin came out of a perfect world and a perfect environment. Some people want to suggest because there was a tree of knowledge of good and evil. And let me make a a statement of correction. I do go back and listen to my sermons, and I don't want anybody to be misled in what I said. I I may have given some the impression that God put sin in the garden. All right? Now, let me be clear on this. What God did is, an overstatement sometimes can cause confusion. What God did do, though, is he put provision... And the opportunity for sin in the garden. And we call that choice. Now, you can spin it any way you want. I know some of y'all, it's just hard for you to understand that. But God, it, listen, it ain't love if, you, if, if somebody controlling you. God understands. God says, I don't want nobody loving me because I got more power than they do. I don't want them loving me because of what I can give them. I.e. Job. I don't want them loving me because, because, because at any moment I can have a thought and they'd be dead. I don't want people coming to church because they feel bad. I don't want folk reading their Bible because they feel guilty. He's saying, listen, I don't want that kind of relationship. I want the kind of relationship that is born out of love. And those of you in here today who understand what that's like, how many of you have been in relationships and you knew that the motivation of the relationship was more about what you had and what you could give instead of just a genuine, man, I just love you. And it doesn't really matter what you do, what you give me. I love you, period. And God is no different. God is not sitting up there wanting people to serve him because of what he can do. He wants us to love him simply because deep down in our hearts, at the end of the day, we can say it and mean it. I love you. That's it. And so today, what I want to analyze is how sin came out of this perfect environment. That blows my mind. How did sin come out of this perfect environment? And so the title of the message today is intervention, is intervention. 
Intervention, intervention. So, so, so here's, as I said before, my struggle lately has been this. So why is it that me, I'm just talking about me, why is it that I have seen miracle after miracle in my life? Anybody seen miracle after miracle? Okay. But it's almost like I got some kind of amnesia type situation going. Because why do I have to exude the same kind of faith? Or let me say it another way. Why is it that I doubt God after all the stuff that God has brought me through? I don't, I don't know. I mean, seriously, I'm just I'm, seriously. I'm just like, no, wait a minute. After every mountain he brought me over, <laughs> after every trial that he's brought me through, why is it that I'm coming to new mountains and new trials and I'm all anxious and worried, like, I don't know how God is going to work it out. And, and I'm, I'm, I, mean, I mean, I'm losing sleep at night. And I'm, I mean, how is he going to do it? And, and like, have I forgotten, like, that, 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 that I am a miracle, first of all, and that I've got a whole bunch of miracles? Maybe you can relate to what I'm saying. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? How many of you are frustrated with yourself? Okay, now y'all... Be honest in here now. Now, some of y'all got perfect faith, so you can't say amen on this. But for those of you who are struggling with faith, and it frustrates you because you're like, now, I have really no reason not to doubt God because I got so many miracles behind me of what God has done in my life. It just makes no sense that I'm not tithing. It makes no sense I don't think that God can work out my marriage. When he saved my job, like it just makes no sense that that I go to sleep at night, which is really death. And I'm able to wake up in the morning like like how I am. I'm a miracle. I've experienced miracles. But let's just be honest. What is wrong with us? What is wrong with us to the extent that after all the stuff, y'all not feeling me today, after all the things that God has done in our lives. And there's nobody in here, I don't care how far from God you are or how close to God you are, everybody has had a moment and don't spiritualize this thing today. I don't never doubt God. I always trust. You're a lie. If you never trusted God, if you always trusted God, never doubted him, then God would have no need of you to be here on planet Earth. The only reason why most of us are still alive and still here is because he is still working on us. He is still trying to get our, trying to perfect Oh, that word scares me. I don't know about you. He's trying to perfect my faith. Do you have perfect faith? Well, if you did, there ought to be no dead people in your life. If you had perfect faith, nobody ought to ever get sick around you. If you had perfect, oh, y'all not hearing me now. Perfect faith was, it was, 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 was clearly seen in the life of Jesus. The only time the power of God did not explode wherever Jesus went is where the Bible would say sometimes he would go to villages and whole villages would be healed. Then other times he would go to villages and nobody would be healed. You know why? Because the Bible says because of their unbelief, not because he didn't believe. And so what I really want to just deal with today is, is how in the world do we constantly find ourselves in positions where we're not able to access God's power because of our lack of faith? It's, I mean, think about it. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but it's almost stupid. Strong words, I know. But think about it. It's dumb to not trust God after all that you've seen God do. Amen. Question. Has anybody ever prayed for a miracle and received one? 
Has anybody not prayed for a miracle, didn't deserve it, felt like you were unworthy to ask for it, and God still gave it to you? How many of you have experienced a miracle recently? How many are living are a living testimony right now? The fact that, it, that you're alive today is a very testimony that, that God has been faithful. But as soon as old trial comes your way, and as soon as old decision needs to be made, and as soon as old finances get a little rough, it's almost like we get amnesia, like God hasn't done anything for us. And so I have to ask this question. Is it unrealistic for God to expect perfect obedience and faith out of us? Tell the truth. Most of you believe that. You won't admit it, but you believe it. Is it possible to live perfect? To believe God perfectly every time without wavering Without doubting. I'm not asking you for your intellectual thoughts on this. I'm asking you for your real thoughts on this. Tell the truth. Do you really believe that you can be, you know, one of the most scariest texts in the Bible is this. Be anxious for nothing. I know you're spiritual. Try that one out. And then tell me how it works to live a life where you're anxious for no, oh, no, but you, you've been in the church for a little while. You know the Lord. I mean, you, you know the commandments of God. You know, but, but has anybody violated that commandment recently? To be anxious for, I mean, think about it now. I'm asking you an honest question. Is it possible as a human being? Abraham is considered the greatest man of faith that ever lived. And if you study Abraham's story, which we're going to get to in a few weeks, most of his life, if you read the Bible, is wrought with failures rather than faith moves. How did he get that title? And when his wife came to him and said, look, I don't think God's going to work this out. I need you to I need you to work that thing out with Hagar. And Abraham didn't say, well, let me pray about it. He said, oh, look, listen, honey. Whatever, whatever I got to do to serve. <laughs> Listen, man, God, whatever God has called me to do this, I don't mind serving you, honey. If this is going to make you happy, I'll do it. And I'm saying Abraham's whole life is wrought with ups and downs. And so honestly, do you really think, no, do you really think, because if you can't answer this question in the affirmative, then you cannot follow what Hebrews eleven six says. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So listen to what I'm saying right here. If you don't believe that you cannot perfectly trust God in every situation, then you do not believe in the word of God. So I think the natural question is, is how do we do that? Anybody want to know how do, how do we trust God in every situation? How many wants to know that? I mean, seriously, how many want to learn how to trust God in every situation? Let's go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3. And in this passage right here, we have what you ought not do. <laughs> the Bible has two ways of learning. The Bible gives you what you ought to do, follow example. And then the Bible has a bunch of stories of what you ought not do. Come on, say amen. 
This is an example of what you ought not do. Now, let me give you the context real quick. God had just created Adam and Eve, right? Now, I want you to see how God created Eve. When God created Adam, he created him by himself. And, of course, Adam got to naming the animals and so forth. Adam did not know he was lonely. So we need to stop telling that lie. Adam was lonely. There's a, there's a, there's a poem that says that. That ain't true. Adam didn't know he was lonely until God came and told him, it's not good for you to be alone. Y'all missed that. Adam did not, Adam, Adam was good. What did he need E for? He didn't. He didn't know he needed E because he didn't know that that was a possibility. He didn't know. He was good. And then God, now watch this now, especially married folk, understand this. Then God comes along and says, look, Adam, by the way, after all things, every, I set up everything. Your pad is straight. Everything is straight. I set you up nice, but it's not good that you're alone. Now, can you imagine that? Everything that God has set up until this point is, that's good, this is good, that's good, that's good, this is good, this is good. And then out of nowhere, in a perfect environment, God's like, that's not good. He says, now let me do some surgery on you. The Bible says God put him under anesthesia. The Bible says he put him in a deep sleep. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> huh? Put him in a deep sleep, just took his hand, covered his face, he's gone. And then the Bible says he starts taking stuff out of his body. Took, took a rib out, then it begins to design Eve. And if I stayed on this too long, I would get happy. Come on, say Amen. <laughs> Let, let all the brothers say amen out there. Uh, it, uh, listen, uh, everything that he makes is good. Come on, say. <coughs> all right, so he created Eve. And then, now, I want you to hear this phrase, because this is the context for what you're about to see. The phrase then is said, it says this in Genesis 2. It says, it's not good that man should be alone. He says, I will make a help meet for that is suitable for him. Right. Now, please don't miss this. Absolutely. The word help me really means defender or surrounding. It's the same word that's used in the Psalms that describes God as a defender. You know, the text of scripture says uh, that, that God is a bulwark and a defender. He's your shield. Yes. So watch this now. The Bible says, Adam, it's not good that you should be alone. He says, I'm going to make a warlike companion. To do battle with and for you. I'm not, I'm not creating somebody simply to serve you. I'm creating somebody to fight back to back with you. Now here's my question. Why would Adam need a warrior? That's what the word for help me is. Help me is not barefoot and pregnant. Help me it's not sex every day, all day, 24 hours a day. Can't get nobody to talk back to me. <laughs> help me is not just cooker and cleaner. Help me is warrior. <laughs> Whatever it takes. How many know, listen, the folks that would win fights when I was coming up, they really didn't have no skills. They just was crazy. <laughs> Mess around and get clocked. He said, I need a defender. Now, so watch this. Satan is in the garden. He's watching and observing the creation of Eve. And he ain't never seen nothing like this. And he's saying, oh, my goodness. And so in his mind, watch this now, Satan says, I've got to attack this thing. 
Is God creating a human version of the Trinity here? Where they exchange the same kind of love that I left in heaven? I've got to annihilate that. The scripture says then, then we, watch this. And so at this point now, he says, I got to destroy this thing. Now, watch Genesis 3. That's the context. Genesis 3. Eve was brought in to be a defender. Now, question is, is a defender from what? A protector from what? A protector from the tree of knowledge and good and evil. Because <laughs> right after Jesus said, I'm going to make you a help me, just before that, he said, there's a tree. Don't touch it. So he was basically conveying to Adam, look, you cannot do spiritual things by yourself. You cannot, couples, the reason why Sinead is in my life and I'm in her life is because God knows that we need to help each other to be saved. And that's why my, my single friends and those of you who are in courting and so forth and so on, when you begin to co- contemplate a spouse, this is why you can't trust yourself. But really, I have one point today. My main point is don't trust yourself. Seek help. Don't trust yourself. You cannot trust yourself. There's a book out right now by T.D. Jakes called Instinct. And, you know, I've been checking it out a little bit. Can I say something real quick? Love that man to death. You cannot trust your instincts. No, no, seriously, you cannot be trusted. You cannot trust yourself. I don't care how old you are, how, how young you are. Here's the message of the word of God what I'm about to show you right now. Do not trust your instincts. Do not trust yourself. Do not trust your feelings. Do not trust your experience. Do not trust your education. Do not trust what you've been through. Do not trust. Don't trust. You cannot put any confidence in. Don't trust yourself. Seek help. So watch what happens here. Genesis 3. Y'all there? Let's put the text on the screen. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 1. Watch this. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? Now, I want you to picture now. I love what Patriarch the Prophet says. Patriarch the Prophet said that Satan disguised himself in a serpent. Now, in your mind, I mean, in our mind, that ain't no disguise. If I see a snake, oh, come on, come on in here, black people. <laughs> Come on, it almost is kind of confusing. It's like, how can you disguise yourself? I mean, it's Eve. There's a snake talking to you. Like, really? But you understand that, like, in biblical days, the snakes that we see now ain't the snake, ain't, ain't the snake that was made when God created it. Can you imagine God creating the snake we see now? I see no purpose for that whatsoever. Like, I see, I see God. How God? Why would you create that, that, that thing right there? So a lot of scholars will tell you that, and if you study Patriarch Prophet, you discover that uh, in those days that the, the serpent was the most brilliant and beautiful and <laughs> intelligent of all of God's animal order. They had wings. There's, there, there's some geologists and, and zoologists who have studied and, and have been able to find nodules on the sides of some snakes that resemble what would have been wings. But when God cursed the serpent, what happened? The Bible says he cursed him to the ground. So watch this now, and and, the patriarch of the prophet says that the serpent is talking and his voice is melodious. And while he's talking, he has a piece of fruit in his mouth, and he's eating and talking to her simultaneously. He's disguised. His voice is melodious. She's she's mesmerized by it. Watch what happens here. The Bible says in verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will do what, everybody? You'll die. Verse four, you will not certainly die, the serpent said as melodiously as he possibly can. And I can see him taking another bite of the fruit. 
For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, here it is. I want you to watch this now. Most of us believe. And remember, the question again is like, can we perfectly trust God? I mean, if Eve can fall, preacher, you ask it too much. Come on, say amen. Y'all can act sanctified with somebody else. But let's just be honest here. This is where the rubber meets. If you don't get this word today, it's possible you could be lost. If you ever second guess the power of God and belief and trust in him that he cannot give you the ability to overcome every sin, every temptation, every trial, then God is not God. Talking about, I just, I mean, this is how my family is. It's just, I mean, Paul did say that uh, there's a thorn in his flesh and, and he prayed to the Lord to take it from him three times and God wouldn't take it. Pastor, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to cuss for the rest of my life. Pastor, I just can't help but be mean. You don't know what I've been through. Pastor, I mean, oh, no, 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 no. Stop making excuses in the face of the power of God. There is nothing that you're into and that you have fallen into that is ever excusable. And you're saying to me, no, if Eve can fall, pastor's too much to expect that I can get the victory over drugs and alcohol and the stuff in my life. It's a lie. I'm going to show you where she failed. Notice now, most folks will say, well, Eve, her problem is, is she doubted God. Right? That's what the serpent did. What was his strategy? First thing he said, did God say? He made her question the word of God. And that's all true. And then, of course, he got, he got, her, he got her to want to be God. Right? Isn't that what he said? What did he say? He said, he said, he said if you take this thing, he said, God is holding something back from you. God is restrictive. I mean, don't trust him. I mean, at the end of the day, Satan was simply trying to get Eve not to trust God. And the way he did it is by deception. By what, everybody? Deception. Now, I want you to catch this point. The only way that Satan could get us to sin against God is he has to lie to us. He has to get you to believe something about God that is not necessarily true. And what I discovered is this, is that Satan makes God look like himself. Think about, think about, it's foolish not to trust God. But you'll say, well, no, because God is going to punish me if I do. That's not God. If, if you would have been punished for all your sins and your lack of faith and all the stuff that you've done in your life, do you think you'd be here today? I mean, seriously, all the folk that think they're getting punished right now, they're not, that's not punishment, that's consequences. You're living consequences right now. You ain't got punished. Can you imagine, oh, somebody to go down memory lane just for a minute. Can you imagine if God would have punished you for the stuff you had done? The, listen, the only thing that Satan could have done to bring out Eve, and there's two kinds of people I want you to see. Satan deceived Eve. The Bible says that. He had to lie. He had to make her think something less of who God was than Adam. Look at the next verse. Verse 5. And you know, it's funny. The men are always like, yeah. You know, because the Bible says, yeah, Eve was weaker. She was deceived. Adam was dumb, dumb, yes, he, stupid, dumb. There it is. There it is. Real talk. Because he wasn't deceived. Now, I'm going to show you how some brothers are going to still be like, nah, bro, I get it. Watch this. Right here, the Bible says in verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food. Look at the text. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree, here's why she fell. 
when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Of course, the arguments always are, well, was Adam with her or was he not with her? Well, we know he was with her at the time that he passed her the fruit. And I love what Patriarchs and Prophets, Patriarchs and Prophets, Patriarchs and Prophets paints the picture of Ellen White, of, 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 of Eve walking with the fruit in her hand, eating it. Naked. There it is. There it is. There it is. Be real. Isn't that right? Real talk. The Bible says when they sin, they both. Oh, y'all. Brothers, brothers, ain't nothing changed. Come on. Just consider for a minute. Just consider. Eve eating a piece of fruit. Naked. Convincing Adam. Eat same. Does anybody understand? My, my man just admitted. I, I would have gone down. Just I would have gone down with him. Oh, why not? Let's just say, let's just take a, a, a poll of hands. How many brothers would have went down? I'm just kidding. <laughs> How many y'all would have went down? Now, so watch this. Two kinds of people. Eve is an example of people who fall into deception. Adam represents the kinds of people who love people more than they love God. I'm telling you, one of the hardest things in the world. Now, you know, Eve fell. Yeah, I get that. That's like the struggling person that just falls into some stuff. But I'm telling you, one of the hardest things in the world is to break relationship. Adam could not see himself without Eve. That's real. Couldn't see it. So here's what I want you to get. Both of them fall under the same category. They trusted themselves. How do people fall into sin? How? They trust themselves. Adam, Eve had to say, while she's standing there, and I love the, paint, the picture that Patriarchs of Prophets face, says that when she stood by the tree, remember now, she had face-to-face communication with God. God had given her explanation, don't go there. Adam had given her explanation, don't go there. We also know that angels would come down and warn them, tell them the whole story. We're not talking about somebody who's ignorant here. And she, you had to believe that there was a moment in her mind where conviction set in, and she says, I got to run. But let me tell you what happened to her. Because we see her having a conversation with a serpent, I know that she had to convince herself that I can handle this. Adam in the same category. Adam said, listen, I'm willing to go with Eve on this. I got this. I'm going to go with myself. I'm going to call my own number on this. And here's the problem. We trust ourselves more than we trust God. And so I'm going to say it over and over again. Don't trust yourself. Ask for help. How could they have, how could they have gotten over this whole situation? And it hit me for the first time. Why didn't Eve, simply while she's there and she felt weak and she felt the temptation overwhelming her, why didn't she just say, Adam! Or why didn't she say, God, help me? 
And one of the Adam, same thing. When Adam is looking at his wife and seeing the possibility that she will die and he will not have his prized wife and possession. Can you imagine now if Adam would have just simply paused and God, I don't know what to do here. This thing is too much for me. I'm feeling I'm struggling right now with this decision. God, help me before I make my own decision. Every sin we fall into is because we trust ourselves and don't ask for help. Don't trust yourself. Ask for help. Don't trust yourself. Ask for help. Everything that we do that is against the word of God has its root that we trust ourselves to get out of it and we don't ask for help. Some of you are too proud to ask for help. Some of you in stuff right now and you will not ask for help. You're too proud or you think you're wise enough to get out. How many are discovering right now that you're not smart enough? How many have blown it enough to know that every time I'm in control of my life, I screw it up? Why haven't you learned not to trust yourself? You're faced with a situation with your job. It looks like the Sabbath issue is coming up. And you know, you ought not work on the Sabbath because the Bible says thou shalt not do any work. But you got to make money and you, you got to do this. And so you begin to reason in your mind, how am I going to get myself to myself out of this? And that's where you've already sinned because you're putting too much confidence in yourself. I mean, I'm just saying, I mean, I'm done, really. I'm going to give you the solution, and I'm gone. You trust yourself too much. I got a, ba- I got a high school diploma, a, a bachelor's. I got a master's, a doctorate. I wrote a book. Don't mean nothing. Some of y'all think, I done lived some years past. You don't know, I done been around all of that. Listen, wise folk know that they ain't wise. Wise folk don't trust themselves. Don't trust yourself. Ask for help. I've never seen so many married people in 2014 with the, with the rate of marriage going up some 60, 70% in the church. And we still got brothers talking about, I ain't going to counseling. Don't trust yourself. I don't want nobody in my business. Don't trust yourself. Ask for help. Everybody in your family is divorced. How do you think you're going to get out of this? You have to make decisions. How many have to make decisions? How many are in a place right now where you got decisions to make? Uh, there's nobody out here. Anybody confronted with some decisions you got to make, and you and you're feeling the pressure. I gotta find a way, like Eve and Adam. I gotta find a way to adjust myself and fix this thing. And our natural impulse is to get ourselves out of it. I'm making you a warning today that you cannot miss. Do not trust yourself. Get help. There are two things Eve could have done. Two things Adam could have done. Adam could have asked God for help, and that's the first thing. I mean, ask God for help. I agree with that. Some of y'all are cool with that. But I want to add something else. How do we do this? Sometimes you need to ask godly people for help. Okay. This mind your business culture is causing some of you to live a life of constant, continual, habitual screw-ups. 
And it's not just costing you, it's costing your family members, it's costing people around you, it's costing you money, it's costing you your health, it's costing you your peace, it's costing you all this stuff because you got it all figured out. Don't trust yourself. Get help. Look at these texts I want to show you and I want to sit down. Let's go first to Proverbs chapter 3. How do we do this is the question. How do we do this, Pastor? The Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 3, Verses 5 and 6. Let's put this text on the board. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5, 6, and 7. Are you ready? The Bible says, this is how it happens. Trust in the Lord with all your what? Now, here's the key verse right here. Here's the key verse. Is everybody looking at it? It's a warning. It's a warning to us. It's a warning. This ain't a warning for young folk. This ain't a, this ain't, this ain't a, this ain't a warning for unsaved folk. This is a warning for people that breathe. Lean not, read it everybody, lean not because you're crazy. All right, next text. Proverbs 28, 26. Proverbs 28, 26. Proverbs 28, 26. How do we do this? How do we not trust ourselves and ask for help? Some of it's probably self-explanatory, but uh, put that text on the screen, uh, folks. Yes, there we go. The Bible says, Proverbs 28, 26, those, read that everybody, those who trust in themselves are fools. Come on now. Come on. But those who walk in wisdom are kept safe. Now, what does a wise person do? Let's go to the next text. Uh, let's see. Let's go to, uh, you know, I didn't put this text in here, but I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to do it anyway. Watch this. Let me, let me, I got, to, I got to give you this one here. I want you to go now to uh, Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. Now, one of the texts that I want to give you, but I somehow omit it, is in Proverbs. And one of the things it says is, it says, a wise person seeks counsel. Pastor, I'm too old to seek counsel. Let me tell you, can I tell you something that I do? Anytime I've got to make major and sometimes minor decisions, there are about five people that I always call. Every time. Oh, y'all not hearing me Now, please don't misunderstand when I say this. I have done a lot of dumb stuff in my life. But there's a whole lot of dumb stuff that I could have done that I didn't do. And you know why? Because I seek counsel. Now, some of you don't like seeking counsel. Or you seek counsel, but you seek counsel from people that you know is going to agree with you. I have a friend of mine. He's a finance guy. His name is Stephen Ruff. I hate calling him when I got to make a financial decision. Because I know Steve Ruff's going to tell me the truth. He's going to keep money in my pocket even though I want to spend it. But it's going to hurt. Oh, y'all not hearing me. I got some friends of mine. Her brother, Mari, Mari Maddox's brother, Seth Yolorda. When I've got to make a decision and, and I need wisdom, I'll call my brother and I'll say, help me out. Because I know he's going to be 100 with me. Some of you don't want to seek counsel because you don't want to hear the truth. Some of you can, could never handle the truth. You couldn't handle it from your children. You couldn't handle it from the preacher. You couldn't handle it from your school teacher. You couldn't handle it from your boss. That's why you ain't working no more. And one of the problems with many of us is, is we don't know how to listen to counsel. Who 
think you are. The Bible says anyone that does not seek counsel, a person that does not look for wisdom is a fool. Don't trust yourself. Get help. Now, this is what's going to happen when you start practicing this. All right? Now, I have one suggestion for you. This week, this week, starting tomorrow, you know what I want you to do? If you have a decision or a temptation or a trial that you're confronted with, quick assignment, I want you to pray and ask God for wisdom on what to do and to direct you to somebody to bounce that idea off of. There's a brother in here who's contemplating an affair or either having one. I know it. The Holy Spirit just told me. You need to yoke up with somebody. The de- See, the devil only dazzles you with the before, but he never shows you the after. I had a friend of mine get killed because of an affair. People crazy out there now. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. If there was a day that you ought not be just sleeping around with everybody, it's 2004. These people are crazy. Lorena Bobbitt still lives. That went over some of y'all here. Y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. Google it. Watch this. This is what will happen. We got to close. This is what will happen when we do this. The Bible says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you what, everybody? Hope and a future. Now watch this. Then you, basically what God is saying is, you can trust me. Don't get afraid because you're looking at all the the world closing in on you. He's saying, I know know it's rough right now, but but it's going to get better. My plans are to prosper Thank you, God, for letting me know that in the season that I'm in, I'm simply walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going to stay there forever because he's got plans to prosper me and to give me a future. All I got to do is just hold on a little while longer because weeping may endure for a night, but joy, that's a promise. Then watch this. He says, then you will call on me. Get help and come pray to me and I will do what? Go to the next verse. He said, I'll listen to you. And then watch this. He says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek after me. What many of us do is we throw a prayer up, God, I need help. And then we go and answer our own prayer. And the hard part about waiting, about the thing with God is you got to wait on him. Ain't nobody want to, listen, that's the spiritual discipline that everybody fails at, waiting on God. So what God is saying is, is the, what, when you practice not trusting yourself and getting help, watch what happens here. I want you to go now to Psalms 91.15, and then we're going to end with Jeremiah 33. Psalms 91.15. Psalms 91.15. Watch this. The Bible says, read everybody, he will, this is what Eve and Adam should have done. He will call on me, and I will what? And then what? 
You know what's better than a new job? The presence of God. Amen. Notice what God says. He said, you call on me, I'll show up. Amen. And, when, and when I show up, guess what? Everything that you need, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of God. And then he it doesn't even stop there. I, he will call on me. I'll answer him. I'll be with him. That's enough to knock me out right there. And then he says, I'll deliver him. Come on, somebody. I'll get you out if you ask me. Now, this is the, this is the part that I didn't know was coming. He says, not only will I be with you. Not, hold on, I'm sorry. Not only will I answer you. Not only will I be with you. Not only will I deliver you. But then I'll honor you. <laughs> Uh, okay, let me tell you what honoring is. Uh, 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 see, uh, uh, calling on, answering, and being with trouble is the, is the fresh made steak off the grill. That's what that is. Or chocolate, whatever, you know, I know. But, but, but let, let's go, go back to when you ate meat. I mean, y'all ever seen a steak when it comes off the grill? Yes. Come on in. You hear the sound, the sizzling, amen? Yes. But, but, but brothers and sisters, see, I'm from a different place, and, and so I don't like dry food. Gravy. Anybody like gravy in here? Now, you don't have to have gravy. Uh, but what gravy does, oh, Lord, have mercy. Lord, I mean, you began to take the bread and, and began to sop that. And, 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 and my rice, I don't want my rice dry. I got to have some gravy. Ah, just grab, get the gravy all in there. That's what, that's what honoring is. God says, not only am I going to bless you and take care of you and deliver you, he says, but then I'm going to do something for you that you didn't expect. I'm going to elevate you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to push you. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I'm going to lift you up in, in the presence of your enemies. <laughs> I'm going to anoint your head with oil. Your cup is going to run over. You ain't going to get it because you deserve it. I'm just going to do it because when I show up, gravy comes with me. Ah, and God says, I will honor you. I will bless you in the city. I'll bless you in the field. I'll bless you when you come in. I'll bless you when. Last text. Last text. Watch what Jeremiah 33 3 says. Go ahead, go ahead, Willie, begin to play. Watch this. This is what Eve and Adam should have done. Every time you're faced with a trial, don't trust yourself. Seek help. Seek it from God and seek wisdom from others. Call to me. Come on, everybody, read. And I will what? And tell you what? And what? That you don't know why. Now, notice what the Bible is saying. The Bible is saying is, the reason why I need you to seek me and seek counsel from others is because you can't see the whole picture. See, I've got a thousand solutions to your one problem. You can only see one way out, but I got some stuff that you ain't even thought of. Oh, y'all not hearing me in here. I got a way to build this church with or without leaving members. Ah, uh, y'all not hearing me now. I got, uh, can I get some help in here? I got a way to fix your family with your husband who's saying I'm leaving and I'm not coming back. I got another way. Oh, I got a way to take care of your financial needs even though you don't have a job. Can I get an amen in here? 
I've got a way to care for your children when you don't know what to do. I've got a way. I've got ways that you know not of. If my people. You know what I should do right now? I should make a call for prayer meeting. That's what I should make a call. Where are all my saints at? Y'all packed in here today. Where y'all at on Wednesday? Where y'all at on the prayer line? Listen, what I've discovered, listen, what I've discovered is, is I've discovered that the blessed folk are the folk who make sacrifices to call on God. Any prayer warriors in here who knows that they've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread? How many, how many like to just stay in the face of Jesus? Uh, you don't trust yourself. Some of y'all staying at home because you trust yourself. You say, I'm good where I am. All I need is one day a week to worship God. But see, I done got to a place now. I need to go to university. I need Sabbath school. I need a revival. I need to go knock on doors. I need it all because guess what? I can't trust myself. And those of you that can trust yourself, stay at home. Keep doing what you're doing. But for those of you who have come to a place where you know you'll jack it up, where you know you don't know what you're doing, where you know you don't know the end from the beginning, and you need some direction and some help, you ought to stay in the master's face. I got one assignment, one assignment. I want you to leave here today, because I know you got some on your plate that you got to handle. So what I want you to do is I want you to ask God to direct you to somebody who's got some wisdom. I believe God works through people. Now, some of you are saying, Pastor, why can't I just call on God and get the answer from him? Because I want you to practice seeking counsel. God speaks through people. And many of you have, uh, we all know, Patriarchs and Prophets tells us the reason why Eve fell is because she was alone. If Adam were there, she wouldn't have fallen. Most of y'all are running all by yourselves. You're making all your decisions on your own. We got husbands and wives that don't even share bank accounts. I mean, y'all just, y'all just doing stuff on your own. I don't get it. I mean, you're just doing your own thing. How can you do that? I don't trust myself. I need help. Anybody believe this word? Stand right now. Anybody in here 